Out of Toddzilla Files, and welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave. Toddzilla Xpod, escapingthecave.com, fuck Twitter, and loyal listener, Toddzilla File. I may have been talked into reactivating the Facebook page. <laughs> the podcast is growing. Slowly. I don't do a lot of advertising or marketing. In fact, I do absolutely none. <laughs> but uh, listenership is growing like a fungus. I'm involved in a couple of podcasting communities. In quotes. And there are a couple of people who have... Um, trying to talk me into reactivating that page. Simply to make the thing more accessible. Make it more findable. They're... Uh, Impressed with the quality, they say, and think it should be in more places. So, I don't know how to do this. I've got a bit of a case of PTSD with Facebook. After spending, uh, I don't know, 12 years engaged in righteous ideological warfare with different poo-slinging monkeys on and off for over a decade, I really don't want to encourage that. I, I really like idea that my ecosystem is controlled. You know what I mean? Where I have people adding things or having discussions with me without having to dodge random feces. I like that. I really do. Not all opinions are created equal. I know. I know everybody thinks that your righteous opinion is holy. That if it's your opinion, well, by God, everybody should hear it. Everybody should be able to see. I don't believe that. Got some stuff from Walter Lippmann I'd like you to read. <laughs> I'm going to get that, to that today. Anyway, that's the, the sort of the dilemma I have with this Facebook page. I took it down, I think, in June of last year. I haven't missed it at all. But I, I think... That they may be right about that. I could use it as a repository, but, you know, to post the links, to post material, maybe books, or some stuff that I've written up outside of the podcast. I'm still doing a little bit of writing here and there. And that would be a good place to put it. And then just let it sit. But they also say that people like to know that they're being heard, that their opinions are valued. They want you to engage. The Facebook wildlife, because that increases listenership, you see... I don't know. I want to do that. Oh, it's a dilemma. Anyway, it could possibly happen. If you are a regular listener to the podcast, I'm going to tell you this at the beginning of every episode from now on. If you're getting the episodes through a Christopher Media feed, you need to go subscribe to an Escaping the Cave feed on your favorite podcatcher. I understand there's a lot of great shows the ChristopherMedia.net network. And they have all of those shows sort of thrown into one feed. They have people subscribing to those feeds. You see, from my perspective, my point of view, selfishly, that's not a good thing. To have my subscribers subscribe to someone else's feed. Something happens. That's silly. Right? So I'm imploring you. It's a good idea to subscribe to my specific feed. Escaping the cave. It has a pretty picture that I took down in Peru of a person walking into the light out of a cave. It's awesome. Make sure you subscribe to that here in the uh, not-so-distant future, por favor. All right. 
Also, one other thing I want to point out, there's going to be a, a slight change in format to the program if you are a longtime listener. I'm going to, I, I think, start at least trying to do these things more frequently, but do them shorter. I'm thinking like 20 to 30, maybe 40 minutes. Uh, but try to do these things maybe on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, with a politics dump. Where I have one episode per week, all politics and no politics, as little as much as I can get away with doing no politics in the rest of the shows, uh, doing that. And maybe doing that politics crap like on a Wednesday, the day after the primaries. I've got somewhere around 3,000 words written up already just based on the primaries, the Democratic uh, primary process, Trump, all this stuff. I'm not going to saddle you with today. But I've, I've determined it might be a good idea to sort of target the podcast by topic a little bit better. I have a lot of topics that I'm covering. I'm, I'm covering social media disease. I'm covering uh, propaganda, disinformation, obviously the for-profit media complex, the agitation media complex. Today I'm going to talk a little bit more about independent thought. I'm going to transition into validation addiction. And all of this stuff gets infected with politics here and there because politics is, 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 is an octopus that touches all of these different topics. But the problem is, is that I tend to get off on a rant every now and again. Politics pisses me off. I'm, I'm not sure if you notice that. And so I'll spend 20 minutes talking about politics before I even get into the damn show. That's probably not a good idea. I have a lot of great podcasts back there, informative podcasts that I did last year. One in particular that I'm thinking of, and I think I ranted about Adam Schiff and the Democrats for 30 to 40 minutes before I even got into the episode. And the episode itself was informative as hell. How many people didn't get to that because I was sitting there bitching about politics for 40 minutes? Valid question. So I think what I want to do is I want to start targeting these things. I want to start putting them into categories. I'll put the categories in the show title. And then take all of the politics stuff, almost like a septic tank. Maybe I'll call it the political septic tank every week, once a week, unless something outrageous happens and I have to talk about it. And just do that either on a Sunday or a Wednesday. One episode, and if you don't like the politics, you know what? If you're subscribed and you see politics dump or whatever I call it, avoid it. It's cool. I'm not going to be offended if you don't listen to it. But I pretty much have to do it because the stuff does tie into that. And if you're interested in the social media disease stuff or the, uh, the media, the agitation media, for-profit media complex, how that's jacking with us. If you're interested in just that, then you'll know what these episodes are. It's kind of what I'm thinking. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm going to get back to the theme that I've been talking about, which is independent thought. Sort of trying to detach yourself, uh, det- detach the ego and the identity from the outcome. Getting your psychological dog out of the fight. The only way you can see things as they are, the only way people can see reality for what it is, is to do the best they can at detaching their wants, their desired outcome, their shoulds from the situation. It's incredibly hard to do that. None of us are encouraged to do that. None of us are taught to do that these days. Everybody wants you love-marked. It's an advertising book I talked about where they're trying to get you, these producers, product producers, are trying to get you, the consumer herd, to literally attach your identity to a brand, 
love. It's what makes a Subaru. That's my favorite example. They want you, hippie, identifying with a Subaru. All right? It's not just Subarus. It's not just cars. It's not just any product. Ideologies, politicians, and political parties, news networks, they're all doing the same thing. They are targeting that identity. If you cannot shut that identity off and detach it, from an outcome or a point of view or a perspective, you cannot possibly even have a prayer to understand what is really going on in the world. I'll go a little bit further here. You probably don't have a prayer of understanding it anyway. Oh, what? What are you looking at me like that for? Is that blasphemy? Be prepared. A lot more is coming on that. Anyway, as far as independent thought goes, I said before on this podcast... And that I don't demand a whole hell of a lot from my friends. But if we're going to discuss politics, if our friendship is based on politics, sociology, anything like that, the one thing I demand is authenticity. I demand authentic honesty from my friends. And I might as well be asking people to grow wings and fly. It is incredibly, exceedingly rare to find that, to find somebody who's actually thinking for themselves and not just regurgitating the book of Bernie or the book of Trump or something they saw on Fox or MSNBC or wherever. And people are really good sometimes at concealing that. They'll reword it. They'll repackage it. But if you get good at parsing sentences and getting to the core of what they're saying, it's not hard to figure out that these are proselytes and militants who have been inseminated with a perspective and a point of view and are not doing their own thinking. I will not give my friendship, arrogant as it sounds, I know I'm a pompous ass. But if, our found, if, if the foundation of our friendship is based on politics and that's you, I, I'm always analyzing that. I don't care who I'm talking to. I am always trying to figure out. It's almost like Carlin. Do you remember the Carlin bit? But he talks about the different types of people. Crazy, full of shit, and uh, stupid. It's one of his old bits from a long time ago. And I'm always like, okay, hmm, where's this person coming from? Is this an authentically thinking human being? Is their cognitive function authentic, organic, genuine cognitive function happening up there? Or is this man a parrot? Is he trying to conceal it? Is he rewording something he's heard? Is he sort of embellishing? Is he plagiarizing somebody else's thoughts on the fly to make it sound like he is informed and highly intelligent, a highly educated current events man? I'm always doing that. I'll sniff it out. I will. Eventually, I'll find it. And most people, though, If you ask them, they're either going to pronounce or actually think. They will believe in their own minds that they have achieved this independence of thought, this intellectual sovereignty, intellectual autonomy. They think they've got it, even as they mouth these recitations of someone else's agenda and, yeah, inseminated opinions. We've seen throughout this podcast that is a universal tenet, a trait of good propaganda. The infected never know they're infected. Despite having their opinions manufactured for them, they think they are organic, they think they are original. That they have found the holy path to utopian, noble, and righteous 
godly truth. They have found it by themselves. No, somebody's ejaculated something into their brain. It is a tenet of good propaganda. You've got to understand that. Again, Emerson said, If I know your sect, I anticipate your argument. The dogmatic sectarian's noise must be silenced if you hope to approach honest authenticity either in others or, more importantly, for yourself. You've got to silence that noise. You've got to know how to filter that out. If not literally and completely getting the sound and the fury out of your life, you've at least got to be able to put a cognitive psychological filter in your ear to know when you're dealing with a dogmatic sectarian's noise. And fortunately, as I said with others, this is typically easy. Not hard once you know what to look for. These are the fabricants who who believe all the same things as the rest of their congregation's sectarians do. Sure, they're going to cleverly repackage it again. They're going to they're going to reword the sermon, but even after a quick parsing of the rhetoric, it becomes clear that at its core, the scripture is no different than the guy sitting next to him in the ideological pew. They all think the same thing at their core. Sectarian authenticity is impossible. I'm going to repeat that. Sectarian authenticity is impossible. It's an oxymoron. Collective critical thought does not exist. Collective critical thought, it doesn't exist anywhere in the universe. It's impossible to have, to engage in collective critical thought. Despite all the passionate proclamations otherwise, not going to happen. I'll say this again as well. Do not try saving these fabricants beyond planting seeds. That's all you can do. You can't save them. The switch, it's internal. You're only going to provoke the elephant into a stampede. You're neither a ringling brother, I assume, if you are. Hello, I'd like to meet you. Uh, Nor the elephant whisperer. This isn't in your toolbox. And when the propaganda has fused to their identity, the sense of righteous moral certitude has embedded itself in their psyche. That elephant becomes a metaphorically violent drunk. He becomes intoxicated. He needs to sober himself up in order to be reached. So what are you supposed to do? Todd, what are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? You know what you do? You let the elephants roar. Let the zombies feed, man. Seek out other men with a capital M. People who are their own man, for better or worse. Find those who, even if they stumble repeatedly, are at least trying to be authentic individuals. Those whose honesty is genuine. Not meant to attract status, validation, more on that coming, validation, followers, fans, money, power. These people do exist. They are out there. Well, good luck. You're going to need it because these folks, even if they're trying to sober themselves up, even if they're trying, I guess, to reclaim their intellectual sovereignty. If they've been drunk for a long time, if they've been on an ideological bender for a decade, they have a history. They've said things to people. They've made statements or done things in various places on the internet and maybe in real life. Or they've got messes to clean up if they've taken the time 
and have the courage to evaluate where they've been and where they're going, and they see mistakes that they've made in the past, that's really difficult to clean up. That's really difficult to muster the vulnerability required to say, God, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm not sure I even believed that. And if I did, you know what? I was wrong. I've changed. That is so hard, especially if this has happened online, because as we all know, the Internet is where vulnerability goes to get gang raped. Jacques Ellul talked about this in his book. There's a guy, I'll probably play this clip in the next episode, that um, was interviewed on Your Undivided Attention. But this guy is a reformed white supremacist, and he talked about something that Alul talked about and something that I have talked about as well. He termed it social momentum, where you have such a history and your friends have expectations. Your tribe has expectations, and you cannot walk it back. It has momentum, because if you do that, you're going to lose all of these relationships. You're going to lose social status. You're going to lose credibility. Perhaps it's credibility that doesn't matter. That's a judgment call, a moral call, I suppose. I don't know. But do you realize, have you ever thought about how difficult that is to do that? I've experienced this. (laughs) Mostly from my uh, my days railing against the Tea Party. You know, judging and deeming and labeling every Tea Partier and Republican. An inbred redneck retard. I've made a lot of enemies. I've pissed a lot of people off. I cannot clean all of that up. I can't go back and find every single person that I managed to piss off over 10 years and say, you know what, dude, I was a little drunk. Sorry about that. Try to fix it. I can't even begin to comprehend how to do that. The best I can do is just move on. You need to think about how difficult it is for people to sober up. There is a path, a a precious path to some kind of comprehension of empathy on how difficult it is for people who have made mistakes, who have been ideologically drunk and basking, slurping, doing shots of propaganda moonshine, basking in moral certitude, basking in the warm glow of the herd's fellowship and the boldness of that certitude, basking in that feels good, and to extract yourself from it doesn't. It's terrifying. You're losing your entire network. You are losing your tribe. And that tribe is not just going to go away. Most likely, when it sees you as a blasphemer and a heretic, it's going to turn on you. Much more on this is coming up. Much more. But think about that. It is a path to empathy here. And it needs to be offered. It needs to be understood and needs to be granted. People need to have an opportunity to change. To sober themselves up and say, you know what, I'm sorry, without being mocked and without being virtually raped. Otherwise, they're not going to uh, do it. It's not about you getting your righteous revenge. It's about allowing change to happen. The best kind of change. Another thing about authenticity that I want to talk about before I uh, steer the ship toward validation addiction. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I subscribed to a streaming channel online. I think it's called The Great Courses. Basically consists of 12 to 24 hours 
literally 12 to 24 hours on different subjects without many sort of visual cookies. You know, you're not going to get your little treats. You're not going to see dramatizations, maybe some photos here and there, but nothing really there to quote unquote entertain uh, the viewer. This is deep diving into a topic. It's great. Stuff on the French Revolution. I have a really huge hole, a huge gap in my education as far as the French Revolution that really probably today needs to be filled in. Right? That was the main reason that I joined it. I found something on that. It's great. Although the woman does like to talk about privilege. Yeah, she's a Berkeley professor. Once you cut through that, <laughs> she's obviously got an agenda. But if you can sort of tune out the agenda, she really knows her stuff. Anyway. That's not what I'm talking about here. One series that I started was about uh, performance and stagecraft, <laughs> going from the French Revolution to that. And uh, in the opening lecture, the woman uh, started sort of waxing philosophic on how, as people, we are constantly acting in an effort to get something we want from other people. It's subconscious automatic manipulation. We do that constantly. It doesn't have to be selfish. We can be trying to behave altruistically. All right, in, in somebody else's benefit, it doesn't matter. We're still acting. Manipulative monkeys dancing for their psychological lunch. Of course, she's right. She's absolutely right about that. If you pay attention, if you pay attention to what you think and how you're behaving when you're around other people, if you really start to monitor and analyze that, you know damn well she's right. Even if you're acting like you're not really acting, you're still acting. You're still projecting something to the audience. What people do. Now, I've had varying degrees of success. At times, I've failed miserably at it, but for almost 16 years, I have literally been obsessed with finding authenticity, peeking behind the mask, seeing myself, seeing others, seeing the world as they are. Right? And over the last couple of weeks, I've come to see that this woman's ever-present thespian mask, her idea of the ever-present thespian mask, is what disguises and conceals our core. Who we really are. Why? Why is that? I've concluded that maybe the answer is related to what I used to call the Coyote Complex, my 2009 glimpse at Height Sullivan. When I initially detected what Height calls post hoc rationalizations, snap judgments, post hoc rationalizations, deceptive thinking, seeing what we want to see, and then arguing backwards from it. I was more interested in how we do that pertaining to ourselves, how we see ourselves. That's why I called it Coyote. He wasn't a knight, but he thought he was a knight and behaved like a knight. How we see ourselves and the post hoc rationalizations that we engage in to convince ourselves that that is how we really are. It fascinates me. When I found that in 2009, whatever quest I was on before that, hitchhiking around the country came to an abrupt end. Everything changed. I lost my religion because I started analyzing that. How I'm doing this post hoc rationalization. My spirituality came to an end because I figured out... And it was just a way for me to put myself at the center of the universe. The universe is here for me. The universe is looking out for me. Everything happens for a reason for me. Bullshit. Now, I've said before, I wish I could go back and put that back in the bottle because I will tell you, <laughs> I was a hell of a lot happier and more excited about life before that epiphany. 
I'm not saying this made me happier. I'm saying I think it made me a little more authentic. Got me a little closer to understanding who and what I was and guiding me towards what needed work. I'm obsessed with that. I'm still obsessed with that. I'm going to be obsessed with that until the day I die. It drives people crazy. It does. Anyway, over the last couple of weeks, thinking about that thespian mask, how it conceals our core, and I've asked myself why. And again, I think it has something to do with Heights Elephant and that self-deception. It runs far deeper than public performance fuckery which is what we're talking about here, the, the indication that you go out and you meet your friends or you, you're out in public and you're putting out a performance. That self-deception runs a lot deeper than that. Again, why? You ever thought about that? Why is it? Why is it that we're always concealing this core in sort of a titanium box? Never to let anybody see it. Never to let it out. Why is that? The more I learn about we the chimps, I have to conclude that that's because behind these masks, behind these performances and constant unconscious deceptions, lie faces that are hideous. When they're glimpsed next to this really pretty mask we wear out in public and on stage. Further beneath those funhouse mirror reflections, behind the back rooms of conscious self-perception, we fucking know it. We know how hideous these faces are are, at least in relation to the pretty little mask. That's what I think. Sigmund Freud called the chained beast that I'm talking about, the thing that's prowling within these psychological dungeons hidden from the world, he called that the id. I've called that the ego. Depends on your perception, Eastern or Western perception of the ego. Freud called it the id. The Buddhists sort of call that the, the ego. Whatever. It's semantics. It's the same thing. Call it whatever you like. For the purpose of this podcast, I will call it the id. I may refer to it as the ego at some other point in time. Anyway, that beast, that's why we domesticate our young. That beast lurks beneath the quote-unquote thin veneer of civilization that I've talked about. I keep raising these warning flags about blank slate pseudoscience. Ignoring the beast won't make it go away. It makes it more dangerous. And the Internet's anonymity, freedom from organic accountability, has given the herd permission to remove its mask. And Freud's id is being unleashed upon itself. I am 100% convinced of that. At one point, I thought that these online avatars were sort of maybe innocent digital little projections of who we wanted people to think that we are. I think that's true. But it doesn't go far enough. In addition to performance-based validation addiction, this technology has simultaneously unmasked the contorted, crazed face of humanity and unleashed the beast. These aren't just simply deceptive, narcissistic avatars. They are that, but not just that. The Internet is showing us exactly who we are as an unshaved species, showing us exactly why we self-domesticated. Look, I asked for authenticity. I still do. I think I now understand why I cannot find it. Except in almost mythologically rare cases. It's so rare. Almost unheard of. And I've concluded that maybe I ought to be thanking my lucky stars for that. 
The Phantom Public. I talked about that book last time. Mr. Lippman should have collaborated with Rod Serling. Done a takeoff. Phantom of the Opera. I don't know how that would go, but... That's quickie today. It's all right. I've got the next one right here, and I think it's coming real, 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 soon. Maybe even later today. I'm going to try to do these, I think, on a... I'm going to give it a shot, trying to do it on a daily basis. Let me do the politics dump thing on Sunday. I've got a lot of that written up. Website's escapingthecave.com. Go check that out. Fuck Twitter. Look for the Facebook page. Maybe. Escaping the Cave. Maybe. It's not up yet. Might be soon enough. And make sure you switch those subscriptions from Christopher Media to Escaping the Cave. Please, 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 por favor, I don't want to lose you. You're valuable to me. Till next time, so long.